Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore. Howard Root has departed. Thank you, Howard, for joining me in the studio. It's, it's always a delight. I never knew him until Barbara Malzacher put us in touch to do a podcast about his book, Cardiac Arrest, and the harrowing uh, travails that he underwent and survived and triumphed uh, under the politicized Department of Justice of President Obama. Uh, that is a shameful legacy unfortunately, from a president, and I think number 44 is not going to go down in the history books as one of our better presidents. And that's too bad because I know the left can't see it like this because that's who they are, but I think almost everybody on the right, even when we lose an election, we want our president to do well because we want our country to do well. And you have to believe me when I say that that is not how the left sees these things. And the point has been made by others and better, that it isn't just the NRA they hate on the left because of the Parkland High School tragedy shooting, and it isn't just guns per se because they're fine with guns protecting them. They hate you. They they hate the people who have guns. They hate the people who, like me, don't have a gun but support those who have weapons for self-protection. And somebody else once said that they thought we had entered into a cold civil war I tend to shy away from that sort of language because it's so uh, apocalyptic and yet there are moments in certain days where I wonder if in fact that that isn't the case maybe the left already thinks it is a cold civil war and they're engaging in it and the people on the other side of the aisle need to to wake up and see if that if that in fact is not the case in Minnesota, there was a lot of activity and a lot of press attention and a lot of goings-on at our state capitol in St. Paul because some Democrats used what I understand to be a very infrequently used House rule to get a hearing on their bill. My understanding, and our next guest can correct me if I have this wrong, my understanding is that you can get a hearing on your bill if leadership and the particular chairman or chairwoman of the committee wants you to have a hearing on, on the bill, simply introducing legislation does not, fortunately, give you an automatic hearing. Uh, there certainly wouldn't be enough time uh, in the year, given the small flood that we see people uh, submitting legislation from both parties. The legislation has been described as the gun grab of all time, it's been described as extinguishing guns in Minnesota and the legal right to own and bear them in a generation. It doesn't take effect immediately, but you'd be prohibited from passing those on to your children, your spouse, or, or to anyone that you would like. The Minnesota Gun Caucus played a singular role in the pushback against this proposed legislation, and that organization is led by Brian Strausser, and Rob Dore, and they did amazing work. Uh, in particular, I saw Brian, who's on Twitter a little bit more, not in the slightest to take anything away from Rob, but, but Brian's on Twitter a little bit more, where I live, and it was remarkable to see a calm, cool, respectful, thorough, incredibly knowledgeable response to all sorts of tweets uh, some of which were obnoxious and vile. And if you want a master class 
in how to promote your view of a contentious issue, I really don't think you could do any worse, or sorry, any better than what I saw Brian Strausser do. Fortunately, we have uh, Rob Dorr waiting to come on the Sue Jeffers Show. Brian is doing what he should, which is attending his daughter's birthday party. Sue Jeffers has always taught me from the first time I met her in, I think, 2007, family comes first. If it's going to hurt your family, if you're not going to be able to swing it and be a candidate without high cost to your family, not worth it. Coming on the show means you have to leave your daughter's birthday party. Not worth it, even if it is Sue Jeffers' show. But fortunately, Rob is here. And Rob, welcome to the Sue Jeffers show. Uh, thanks. Yeah, how was that for an introduction? Uh, yeah, you, you'd rather have Brian, but I guess you'll just put up See, with See, I, I knew you'd take it that way. These insecure Minnesota people, I'm telling you. I, I, you know? I'm such a delicate snowflake. I know. That's, your, that's certainly my experience with you. Um, let me invite listeners to call in if they have uh, a question for Rob Dorr from the Minnesota Gun Caucus. It's 651-989-5855. If you'd like to call in while I'm having this conversation with uh, Rob, we can try and get you on your on the air with your you know particular question. My goal, of course, is to uh, give Rob a platform where he can explain to listeners who may not have been able to follow this week um, exactly what transpired. So, Rob, why don't you just take it from the top? Uh, sure. So, um, yeah, and people are a little bit confused. So, I'll just uh, first I'll say what bills were at play here. Linda Slocum has introduced a bill that is the, the gun ban of all gun bans. Uh, it, it's basically every piece of bad legislation from every state in the country all in one bill. That, that one hasn't been heard yet, but it has been introduced. What we were dealing with uh, this week on Thursday was Dave Pinto's House File 1605 and 1669. They are gun violence restraining orders and, a gun, and a universal background checks, universal registration. I can go into the details on those in a second, but just about the process. You meant you alluded to it a little bit uh, in your intro there that uh, he used a a little used House rule that uh, that forced a hearing. So basically, what the House rule is is it's four point thirty one. It permits a uh, the author of a bill after twenty legislative days uh, if a bill has not been heard in committee, they can pull it from committee and put it on the floor. Uh, of the house. The, the intent behind that is, and I think it's pretty clear, is that let's say that you've got a single member of committee, a chair of a committee who doesn't like a bill, but you feel like the bill would have a strong chance um, within the whole body of the house. You would basically be able to, uh, to make this, you know, imply this rule or invoke this rule and pull the bill from the committee onto the House register and then make a motion on the House floor to hear the bill. So that's how it's kind of intended. And I think in that sense, it's a, actually a good rule. It prevents one person from being able to essentially kill a bill. Okay. And so they, they got a hearing this week, right? Yes. Yeah, so what uh, Representative Pinto did is he said he was going to use this rule and then basically threatened it to make a circus out of the legislative process on the floor. So he would be able to make motions, make continual motions, filibuster, and they would make a scene out of it on the House floor where all the media cameras are and everything. In order to stymie that, what the Republicans decided to do was give the bills their hearing so that uh, the bill, the uh, bills wouldn't be able to be 
referred to the to the House Register and be called. Okay, so what did the Minnesota Gun Caucus uh, do in response to these developments? And if you don't mind, Rob, in about oh a minute or two, we'll we'll take a break. And if I could hold you over for a little bit after that, would sure. you mind? Okay, great. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Yeah, so so we basically had about thirty six hours after hearing about the 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 time of the hearings to organize testifiers and uh, and get everybody motivated to come out there. And, and people really did exceed our expectations. We thought with such nor- short notice that we might be able to get a couple of dozen people uh, out there, and we had hundreds. Um, I've heard numbers from anywhere four to, four to one, uh, you know, for us versus the, the proponents of the bill, the, the gun control advocates, and then uh, to 10 to 1. And based on my observation, I think it's probably a little bit closer to 4 to 1, but mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. really surprised me with how they were able to turn out, uh, turn out with such, a, such short notice. Yeah, well, that's to their credit and, of course, to, to yours as well, because people may want to show up, but they have to have something to show up for, and that's what right. you and Brian and the caucus do so well. We're going to come back to Rob Dore after this break. You've been listening to the Sue Jeffers Radio Show. I'm John Gilmore, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sue Jeffers Show. Thank you so much for your time, whether you're listening over the radio in real time or whether you are able to catch this uh, program uh, through the miracle of podcasting. If you'd like to call in real time, the number is 651-989-5855. We're going to continue our conversation with Rob Doerr who is with the Minnesota Gun Caucus. Rob has been telling us before the break about the hearing for legislation that was called on short notice and uh, profoundly threatened uh, Minnesotans' Second Amendment rights. Rob, are you there? I'm still here. All right, thanks for holding on through the, uh, the last break. So how was the environment as testimony uh, was given to the committee, there was a sort of instantly famous picture that the extremely talented Star Tribune photographer Glenn Stubbe took. Uh, <laughs> he was shooting in black and white, which can be wonderful if you know what he's doing, if you know what you're doing, and Glenn most certainly does. And there was, I don't like the phrase iconic, but it was almost, you know, uh, three or four, two or three rows of pro-gun control advocates who were glum and glower and and frowning and this is the opposition not just on our second amendment rights but all too frequently our first amendment rights and others and i know that people who supported you and brian and the gun caucus and were opposed to this legislation kind of got a charge out of uh, the visualization of of the opposition so how how was the demeanor, you know, you always hear from the left that there might be violence at some of these sorts of things when, surprise, you know, nine times out of ten, if there ever is any violence, it's coming from the left. So I take it uh, that everyone was well-behaved. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I mean, there were definitely a few instigators. I, I had people, as I was doing media interviews, uh, coming in trying to put signs between my face and the camera, and they were wow. holding their cell phones, you know, inches away from my face and asking me questions. So there, there was a little bit of instigation on their part. Uh, our our people were, of course, uh, you know, well behaved as always. 
Um, in the committee room, you know, everything was, was pretty respectful. Uh, Jamie Becker Finn, uh, felt like she needed to point out that she was a gun owner and that I didn't speak for her. Um, and, okay. uh, I clarified that, you know, while she's a, she, while she may not think we speak for her, we certainly believe we represent the interest of all gun owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't like that very much. So we, we had a little bit of a back and forth. It's a good response. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, it's, but, you uh, know, I I was I, I was told by uh, everybody who observed that uh, I was I was extremely respectful and it looked worse for her than me. But you know that's coming from a bit of an echo chamber, so uh, take it for what it's worth. Yeah, but by uh, but, the, by the same token, um, to be fair to yourself, Rob, and it kills me to be fair to you, huh? Um, <laughs> if if you were acting inappropriately, if you were getting hot headed or acted like a you know a jerk, I'm pretty sure that uh, your your constituents and supporters would would point that out to you as well, right? So you know, um, sometimes it's you know, and I'm Irish, I'm allergic to compliments, but sometimes it really is good just to let them in because that's not easy, ladies and gentlemen. You you go into these very uh, freighted environments with uh, a more often than not unhinged left. And I'm sorry to have to say that, you know, since the election of Trump, but this was pre-existing, remember. But since the, the, the election of Donald Trump, we have seen just exactly who the left is or far too many of the left. And, and you know, I can paint with a broad brush as well, and, and I don't want to, but I'm talking about on balance. Yes, they're uh, there are exceptions to this characterization, but unfortunately, they all too often are just that, exceptions. And so people like Rob and uh, Brian, other other people, um, you know, Twyla in her own environment with medical issues and privacy, uh, Sue with the First Amendment and Andy Seelig, they fought for seven years to get to the Supreme Court, almost eight. These people are on the front lines, and those front lines can often get really nasty. And so, you know, kudos to you and to all of them, Rob. I think we need to support each other, you know, on the center and center right a little more often. And I I hope I speak for a lot of people listening, you know, at whatever time today, tomorrow, next week, when I say thank you to you and, and by extension, all of these people who put themselves on the front lines in order to keep the public informed and to advocate for what they believe is the correct position on fundamental constitutional rights. We're not talking about, you know, uh, an extra stop sign on an intersection. Not that that's not important, Mr. Gilmore. But you know what I'm trying to say, Rob. And so, you know, on behalf of a lot of people, I think, thank you very much. Yeah, well, it's our pleasure. And, uh, you know, we're only as as strong as our membership. So, uh, you know, if if we didn't have you know, thousands of people behind us, uh, I would just be another voice in the wilderness uh, screaming at the legislature. But it, it's it's because we have such a great member base uh, and people who are engaged in contacting their legislators that when when I'm walking the halls of the Capitol, that legislators uh, will will seek me out and 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 want uh, me to work with them on on their bills and what they're doing and uh, and how to fight the bad bills. Mm-hmm. So the end result, if I understand it, Rob, uh, to move this narrative along, because I want to cover it in the in the time remaining, but uh, be thorough, the the two bills were tabled, as I understand it, by a vote of nine to seven. Is that right? Uh, the the gun violence restraining orders was actually ten to six. Okay. Uh, nine to se- nine to seven. Uh, Keith Frankie, the uh, Republican uh, on the universal background check bill, voted with the rest of the Democrats. What Republican did? Uh, Keith Frankie. He's out of the southeast suburbs, uh, St. Paul Park, Cottage Grove, I believe. 
Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> did did he have a cogent explanation as to why, or was it one of those Republicans who just wants to feel good and be liked? It's hard to say. Uh, he, uh, I tried to talk with him about it, and we we didn't have a conversation uh, yet. But I, I, his district is is uh, leans DFL, and he's a Republican. Okay. Um, he, I believe, he's the former mayor of Newport, if memory serves. And All right. So it, you know, he, okay. he had the name ID to get to get elected. So sure. Whether he was voting his district or if this is something of conscience, mm-hmm. I, I, I really don't know. Okay. Well, yeah, and. You know, um, certainly there's a case to be made for people who hold office. And, you know, I won't even run. That's how close I'll get to it. So there are Republicans who are in uh, difficult districts because of their compensation and uh, composition, rather. And so, you know, that it makes it a little more understanding if he is voting his district, which, of course, you can't do consistently and still be a Republican because then you. Right. You and know, and you know. It, nor does it give us the ability to excuse it. You know, we, we still have True. to highlight that's it right. and point it that's out right. and grade accordingly. No, that's exactly right. It goes it goes both ways. And and what I like about your approach and and Brian's and, and, the, and the gun caucus is you're completely transparent with. The way in which you approach the issues, the way in which you score the bills, the reasons for you scoring them. And I've never known of any instance where you're not happy to give somebody with a counter opinion or a different idea as to why you scored that bill or the merits of it an equal opportunity to talk. You and Brian are the most accessible uh, activists, or among some of them certainly, in the state for people on the other side. And and that is to your credit. And I think it's something that, you know, activists, unfortunately, on the left, all too often don't do. I do think there are people of goodwill on the right who would like to have a discussion with people on the left, but it becomes so vitriolic, it becomes almost instantly personal and nasty. And and who wants to, who wants to jump into that wood chipper, you know? Right. Yeah, and, and you know, people often mistake being willing to have a conversation as being soft. Uh, there's a big difference. Um, you know, neither Brian or I are ever going to compromise on our core principles, but that doesn't mean that uh, the only way to uh, advance our cause is to shout down the opposition. We need to be able to talk to them, to hear their concerns, and and frankly, you know, listen to what they what they think because more often than not they're misinformed and mm-hmm. we're able to to provide mm-hmm. that education that that's so important that that is such an important point that you just made rob door we're, we're finishing up on our segment here but can you give uh susan listeners the website for the minnesota gun caucus yeah so the gun owners caucus you can find us at gunowners.mn. that's gunowners.mn, like minnesota uh, it, again, I'll just say, uh, make the plea again that everybody, uh, everybody join. Every person who joins is an arrow in the quiver, or I guess a, a round in the magazine. If I was to keep with, consistent with that, the made theme. me scared um, to, uh, to to really fight uh, fight for the fight for the cause. Uh, you know, we we need the resources to be able to uh, to print materials, to bring people to the Capitol, to travel to gun shows, to engage gun owners from all over the state. But we also need the bodies. We need you guys to be on the list, to get the information so that you can show up and you can call when we need you. And so it's simply a matter of going to that website and signing up and then uh, participating uh, to whatever degree you want to from there on. Yeah, uh, memberships start at $25 uh, per year Okay, uh, and go up from there. Great. That's uh, Rob Doerr calling in from the Minnesota Gun Caucus to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.
And thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue, who in about half an hour will begin her festivities, her gala event at the Reagan Library in California, and be on a panel in celebration of the 45th anniversary of the Pacific Legal Foundation. That's the foundation that uh, got the plaintiffs, Minnesota Voters Alliance, Andy Selick and Sue, to the Supreme Court this week, and that doesn't happen very often. And I happen to have read that petition for certain. It was exceptionally well done, exceptionally persuasive, and there is an art. It's a very uh, refined niche in legal practice, but they certainly knew what they were doing. And I would be remiss if I did not call out by name uh, an attorney there, a young attorney by the name of Wen Fa, who I had the pleasure of meeting when the Pacific Legal Foundation came in for a news conference um, you know, at the state capitol. And there was a handful of us there, and uh, that was really an enjoyable event. I have a grab bag of things that I'd like to talk about in the remaining half hour. You're certainly welcome to call in. The number is 651-989-5855. Speaking of the news conference with Sue Jeffers and Andy Selig and Eric Cardell and Dan McGrath and the people of the voters, Minnesota Voters Alliance and Wen Fall, one of his first questions uh, was from uh, a television guy who's I, I thought was, you know, sort of a pretty straight up guy. I gave him some grief afterwards. I said, you know, when did you become a squish? I don't need to uh, name the name. He took it in good stride. But the first question, or one of the first questions to Wenfall when he had explained what the case was about, why they thought they had a strong argument, what the controlling law was, you know, up to that point, um, frequently for those who don't know, and that's most people, because law can be very boring and tedious and, and uh, one would hope, rule-driven, rather than, oh, I feel like this, I think I'll rule against Trump today, which is what they do in Hawaii and in the Ninth Circuit. Um, he, he gave a really solid explanation, and one of the first questions he got was from a local television station reporter who said, well, what is it costing the state of Minnesota to defend this lawsuit? And I couldn't help myself. Sometimes I can't. And I just said out loud in when Fall's general direction, welcome to Minnesota media. I mean, the, one of the first questions is, oh, you're, you're litigating a constitutional right. Let's be concerned about what it's costing the possible malfactor, you know, the state. They never do that when they shut down roads in Minneapolis and St. Paul with Black Lives Matter and inconvenience hundreds, sometimes thousands of people and police overtime and that sort of thing. Um, and the Minnesota Voters Alliance case hasn't gotten a lot of coverage. It's been interesting to see some coverage forced back into the home market of the Twin Cities by dint of stories appearing elsewhere in national press, um, on radio, on television, on cable. Um, but I think if it had been what is seen as a liberal cause, um, the local media would have been much more receptive to giving it greater play. The greatest misunderstanding of this case, and I forget some liberal House member who follows me, a Democrat liberal, not one of our own, uh, summarized, he thought, the case for the First Amendment as one of voter suppression. And it was it was 
so ignorant. I don't mean that as an ad hominem, but it, it was so grossly misinformed, malinformed, um, that it wasn't worth a candle in 140 characters to try to engage in, in that conversation. Uh, the fact of the matter is, which is why the ACLU weighed in in favor of Sue and Andy and the Alliance, um, the ACLU realized that this sort of overbroad law can cut both ways. You can get tossed out of there for wearing a Black Lives Matter or an AFL-CIO shirt, and, and not just something like Andy Selick, who had to stand in the snow for about five hours when this matter first started, seven, eight years ago, for wearing um, a Don't Tread on Me t-shirt, I believe is what he was wearing, or maybe it was a Tea Party Patriot shirt. So the issues are very important, and of necessity, they cut both ways. And unfortunately, we live in extraordinarily uh, divided times, um, highly politicized times, and I think there's a certain fatigue that's creeping into a lot of people where every single aspect of our lives has to be politicized. Um, I remember a tweet, uh, a tweet from Keith Ellison who said, everything is politics. It's not. It can't be. Or else we're in North Korea. We, we've surrendered our family. We've surrendered our private lives. We've surrendered hanging out at home and binge-watching something worthy on Netflix. I'd recommend Dark, by the way, and also Babylon Berlin. Both are in subtitles, work with me people, and both are German, and they're both top flight so there's there's your uh, free netflix recommendation i knew you were all waiting for it but politicizing every aspect of our lives reduces us to um, something that we're not which is purely a political animal i don't care how involved you are in politics if you are that you have failed you've you've surrendered everything in the pursuit of of something that will ultimately pass and as important as it is and i don't say this lightly because i think it's extremely important you've you've left no other space in your life to actually live you know you you don't have times with your spouse or your partner your close friends you know you don't do something spontaneous you as i was saying you don't hang out at home and you know binge on netflix um you know decide to make a meal when maybe you thought you were going to get takeout or you know bake in the winter which is a nice way of heating up my kitchen in an old 1884 victorian but the the imbalance of politics i think is a feature of the left i think by nature those of us on the center and center right value and cherish and and respect and and fight to keep that aspect those aspects free from excessive politicization and it's as easy as Brian Strausser having his colleague Rob Dore call in because he's where he should be with his daughter at her birthday. Um, and, the, and the same thing goes for all of us, whether we are an advocate, an activist, whether we have a, a nonprofit group, whether we are a candidate, a staffer, or a lobbyist. And on both sides of the aisles, the unhealthiest people, without exception, are those who leave time for virtually nothing else in their lives than politics. You know, it's it's essential, I think, to hang on to our humanity. And unfortunately, when the push comes from the left to politicize everything, and we think that would be a tragic development should it take hold and stay long term, by necessity, it requires us to rally and push back against that. So, you know, maybe it's endless regression because we have to push back against what's being pushed on us. 
Um, I, I don't think that's ultimately the case, but for a, a while, the battle does have to be joined. But the idea that, you know, the movie that you see or the chopsticks that you use or the coffee that you drink or the cold remedy um, that you buy over the counter or which airline you fly um, are all freighted with these political uh, overtures and consequences and should be the result of political calculus is is very corrosive to a healthy society and you don't need me to tell you that american society isn't exactly in the greatest of health uh, and you know we, we could spend all all evening frankly if you wanted to listen to me i'd get bored with it though too there there are so many appallingly wrong things with the culture and with the society uh that we need those places um to retreat to in the best sense of the word a place to go and it should be a treat being there so um, thanks to everyone who's involved but thanks to all those people who have taught me over the years um, that it, there's a real danger in in going too far and having that consume you say no to the Keith Ellison's who say everything is politics it isn't it shouldn't be and to the extent that we have to fight it I really think that we should because that is a battle that sets the tone for everything else Everything isn't politics, because if it is, we're in a totalitarian prison, which probably wouldn't be of much concern to Keith Ellison types, because by nature, they're totalitarians, they're authoritarians, and they're fascists. They genuinely are. And as Kurt Schlichter will say at Town Hall, in any of his numerous columns, they don't just like you, they want you dead. Sue Jeffers Show, John Gilmore substituting Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. And we're back for the last 15 minutes of the Sue Jeffers Show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue, who is having a splendid evening at the Reagan Library in California. And she was at the Supreme Court earlier this week. And she deserves this week. Uh, there's very few other people that I've learned more from concerning politics and how to be about politics than Sue Jeffers. And I thank her for the opportunity for filling in for her. Although she did promise me somebody else other than you, Stan, but I guess I got stuck with you. Well, that just happens. That's life. You know, you can always life. get what you want. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that somewhere before. I think, oh, yeah, it's Trump's campaign theme. So strange. Um, but, Stan, you have a show at the top of the hour that I'd like to touch on before I end up running out of time because I'm not quite the professional that Sue is. And uh, what's on store? What's what's on tap for the, your show at five? Well, of course, uh, government gets involved with the outdoor stuff, too. So uh, no uh, keeping fish on Lake Mille Lacs again this year. So really? Why? About that. Why? Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, if you ask the DNR, it's because the fish populations aren't where they should be. If you ask a lot of the locals, um, it's politics uh, between uh, another group uh, along with the DNR. So okay, we'll discuss that a little bit. And uh, we haven't been on for a couple of weeks, so kind of spring transition. Now we're going from the ice fishing into the springtime. Outstanding. And motorcycles and cars. Outstanding. And fast stuff. Shiny and chrome. Yeah, shiny exactly. and chrome. I can't yeah, wait to get the cycle out. Yeah, yeah. You either get it or you don't, right? I mean, it's like so many things. Yeah. Well, good for you. Stay safe. Wear twenty-seven helmets. Don't die, right? Yeah, I, I mean, didn't realize you know, we're the, one don't. of the few states that doesn't have a helmet law. I actually got busted out in uh, Vegas uh -oh. uh, riding without a helmet, and that does surprise me. Minnesota doesn't have it. 
It's such a weird state. It's such, I mean, it really, it's a weird state. Well, you live here, Gilmore, so, you know, shut up. And okay. that's always my best explanation to, to understand how politics works. You have to wear a seatbelt, but you don't have to wear a helmet. Right. That explains politics uh, in a nutshell. To me. Yeah, that, that's about as succinct as you can get it. Well, so, ladies and gentlemen, don't touch that dial. Um, keep it on AM 1130, or if you're listening online at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com, Stan will be up at the top of the hour. Uh, the number, if you'd like to call in, is 651-989-5855. And I ended the last section with uh, some sort of disquisition on retrieving private life from the public sphere and... I don't really know where that came from, but I, I think it's important. There were a couple of other things that I thought it was important as well um, to touch on be, before I head out and take my leave. And Sue Jeffers will be in, as I understand it, next Saturday from 3 to 5. And so we look forward to that. Um, Alpha News, where I'm a Sunday columnist, has launched uh, a contest. And the contest award, the prize, is a $50 Visa gift card. You can you can spend it online. You can use it at a clothing store. It's not brand limited, brand specific. And if you submit the winning local Minnesota media bias story, then that is your reward. I'm the sole judge. And it's been it's been very interesting to me because I get a wide range of submissions about Minnesota media bias, which is huge. Uh, and it's, it's a real thing. Um, I was blocked by a junior producer at Fox 9 News because I insisted, crazily enough, that media bias actually did exist. And his premise was, well, no, of course not. Now, I'll leave it to you to decide which one was more delusional. I didn't say every media story was biased. I didn't say there was nothing but bias. I simply said that it existed and he couldn't uh, he couldn't countenance that and I got the block. So it's a very odd thing to be blocked for, especially by somebody uh, who's in journalism. And local media purport to be these uh, brave Daniel Pearls, uh, taking the name in vain of that poor reporter from the Wall Street Journal who was beheaded in Pakistan. Uh, covering a story, doing genuine investigatory work. And when President Trump called fake media the enemy of the American people, the corrupt, dishonest media immediately changed it, that's called lying, and said that he said the media is the enemy of the American people when he never did. He said fake news. And fake news is the enemy of the American people. It's getting to be a pain in the neck. Sometimes something will happen and I'll think, oh, and if I tell someone, they'll say, but really? And, I, and I'll have to catch myself and I'll say, well, I think so. And we're not talking about anything uh, particularly political. It's like, oh, um, 100,000 million of this happened or, you know, this ship docked where unexpectedly. And you'll have to have a couple of different fact checks yourself before what otherwise should be non-controversial, fact-based news um, confirmed. And, and the media have done that to themselves. And it, it's something that, you know, they're going to have to change if they want to become something other than the uh, appendage of the Democrat Party, of the progressive movement, and at times of the radical left. I don't see much of that in the offing. Uh, but never say never. The you know latest, I think, for three weeks in February, the latest Nielsen reports came out I saw last week. And of the top 20 television shows, 
CNN was in none of them, none in the top 20. And, and, and so you start to wonder why is this enterprise having coverage the way it chooses to have coverage where the ratings um, are killing them. And you have to, at some point, question whether or not, instead of media, whether you're getting well-funded propaganda. And I'm not Alex Jones, and this isn't InfoWars, peace be upon them, but sometimes you do have to wonder what's behind these narratives that seemingly come out of nowhere. Uh, one this week was suddenly apropos of, I don't know, nothing, because that's how it works. The White House was in chaos, 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 chaos. I mean, you, you can you can see these uh, MSNBC, CNN, uh, sometimes Fox will get caught up in a particular mantra as well, ABC, NBC, the usual suspects, and they'll glom on to that phrase, White House in chaos. Remember when Hillary Clinton uh, famously collapsed and was thrown like a side of beef into the Scooby-Doo van? Well, shortly after that, the talking point went out, and she emerged from Chelsea's, I don't know, Midtown Manhattan uh, apartment, uh, waved, and the mantra there was she just powered through it. I think you can find a compilation on YouTube or somewhere for like 90 seconds, well-known reporters and talking heads, and that's all they say. She powered through it, powered through it. Well, you know, she, you know. And so these these narratives are created on purpose, and they're created by design, and they're created to cause a certain effect. Um, and if you see media bias, you know, just write me at Alpha News. It's john at alphanewsmn.com. And you can win a $50 gift card. You know, it's it's not 500 or 5000 But we're trying to reward people who do take the time to throw us something because I think at Alpha News, we believe there is certainly a lot of uh, bias contained, not only in the headline of a story, but also um, in the body of the story. Uh, the biggest issue, of course, is what Minnesota media doesn't choose to report on. Oh, I've come to Keith Ellison again. This week we learned that he was palling around with the odious Keith I'm sorry, with the odious uh, Minister Farrakhan. And he is of the Nation of Islam. And Ellison has had previous associations with him. Scott Johnson at Powerline has done exceptional work in uh, showing the history of Ellison and uh, Louis Farrakhan, the minister, uh, as well as all other aspects of, of Keith Ellison. And it's not a pretty picture. Imagine that Tom Emmer, Jason Lewis... Eric Paulson, just just pick one of those three because those are our three Republican members of Congress. Hope to change that in November. Imagine one of them hanging out with David Duke, going to a lunch, even if he was on the other side of the room or at the other end of the table. Imagine if, like Obama, taking that picture that only came out recently with Minister Farrakhan, was palling around with, if, if Trump was palling around with David Duke or if Mitt Romney had. I know the double standard of the media is an old saw, but it's always sharp and it's always fresh, which is why I, I tend to, when I, I jump in and uh, do Sue's show for her, I try to leave at least one little bit of, of reminding the listeners the pervasiveness, the, the soup in which we're swimming. Um, and it has only gotten worse, of course, since media was not able to knock out Trump with the Access Hollywood tape. That was the kill shot. That was the headshot, And you people screwed up. That was supposed to take him out of the running. 
At some point, Tim Pawlenty is going to have to address his own call for Trump to have gotten out of the race. I suggested to a friend supporter of his that he take the Dennis Prager approach, which is straight up. Dennis Prager, to his everlasting credit, and I'm fondly well disposed toward him anyway, wonderful mind, wonderful character and sentiment, and he's religious. I'm not particularly, but he almost makes me because of his clarity and sincerity and his, his ethical understanding. Uh, and I know that there has to be a lot of listeners in, Sue, in Sue's audience who enjoy Dennis Prager as well. But he simply said the other week, I got him wrong. I got Trump wrong. I, I, I missed it by a country mile. That's all Tim Pawlenty needs to do. And I don't think he listens to me. And I'm not here to give advice per se. But he might want to consider when he announces in the middle of March, because it's coming, we all know it, uh, we can stop pretending, take that off the table. In his announcement, say, you know, I called for Trump to get out of the race. I got it wrong. I don't agree with everything that he said or did or how he tweets. There's any number of ways. That's fine. Trump supporters are fine with you, tentative Trump supporting people, doing that. But he needs to come down and say he's done remarkable things in the first year. The Heritage Institute said he got 65% of his agenda that he ran on accomplished in his first year. And I don't need to tell this audience about his uh, judicial picks and the tax cuts and immigration. And for those gun supporters, and I'm one of them, Second Amendment supporters, please don't get rattled excessively about what he said with Dianne Feinstein and Amy Klobuchar in that scrum where he let all the uh, press in, due process first, grab the gun second. That was in response to a very specific case of someone like Nicholas Cruz who murdered those 17 poor souls in Parkland High School. And you also saw that movie when he did it with immigration. He said some things standing on their own and taken out of context, you know, that would make you lose it. Don't be fooled. He's not going to betray you on the Second Amendment. He's not going to betray us on any of the major items uh, that he ran on. Uh, that's not who he is. That's not why he ran. He's not a switch-and-bait politician. And so, for what it's worth, Governor Plenty, make your peace. Take the lumps. You've taken it off the table. You can run in a very strong way if you are our candidate and unite the party behind you because Minnesota Republicans won't win in November of 2018 unless we're united. And we have to be. We have to put these differences that I've seen for more than a decade. It's tedious, it's boring, it's high school, it's Smallsville. We have to grow the blank up and put them behind us. I would like to thank Sue Jeffers for allowing me to sit in for her and for the help of Stan Poggle, without whom I literally couldn't do this show. But thanks most of all to you, her listeners. You've been listening to the Sue Jeffers Radio Show on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. I'm John Gilmore. Thank you.